Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into Scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. Apostle Paul wrote, From the standpoint of the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Paul was writing to the believers in Rome about his heart for his fellow Israelites, and how even though most of them did not accept Yeshua as the Messiah, God still has a plan for them. In our ministry, we hear a lot of objections to the idea that God still has a covenant with the Jewish people. Many believe that Israel's disobedience disqualified them from receiving God's promises, but we know based on Paul's writings that this is not the case. To help us understand God's enduring plan for the Jewish people, we have invited back our Vice President of Church Ministries, Dr. Rich Freeman. Dr. Freeman, thank you so much for joining us again. It's my pleasure to be with you guys. So you are still cooped up in Florida, is that right? We are, and things have not gotten better since the last time I was with you. They've actually gotten much worse. So we're now number one as far as cases, I wow. think. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And and so what's, what's the tone and the feel uh, in, in the area that you're at? How are people responding to all the cases that are happening? Well, I think by and large, people realize that they need to be careful regarding masks and things. Uh, quite frankly, it was mostly younger people hanging out together at restaurants and bars and things like that that kind of set things off. They actually trace it back to Memorial Day weekend Wow! Uh, when the beaches opened up. And, uh, and so uh, the, the whole idea of social distancing and wearing masks weren't, wasn't really taken seriously. And that involved, that resulted in a lot of cases. Uh, the cases were m- among much younger people. The average age was actually in the 30s. Wow. Uh, but by and large, I think we've gotten a handle on and people uh, are wearing masks. It's actually now a requirement to wear a mask if you're out in public. I'm hoping that the situation does improve. 
um, we are watching it from here. And we were the epicenter at um, just a few months ago. And, you know, things seem to be flipping a little bit. Um, But, you know, during this time, it's very interesting. People are very, I would say, a little bit more open to the gospel and a little bit more open to the idea of, you know, what what does my future hold? You know, and and kind of that that idea. Um, and so today we're, we're kind of, you know, talking about the future and we're talking about particularly the future of a, of, of a people group, the Jewish people. And we're about to release a new booklet, uh, which we're going to talk about later in the episode called God's plans and purposes. And that was kind of the inspiration in this episode. And we felt you would be a fantastic person to talk through God's plan and purposes for the Jewish people. So let, let's kind of go to the beginning. Rich, where does the story of the Jewish people begin? Well, the, the story of the Jewish people really begins at Genesis chapter 12 in the, the Abrahamic covenant, where prior to that, God in Genesis 3.15 announced that there would be a chosen line, so to speak. Uh, and through that line uh, would come uh, the one who would defeat the seed of of the serpent, Satan. Right. And so that began through Adam and Eve and Adam's and Eve's son, Seth, and through Noah and his son, Shem, and then through a number of different people. And then in Genesis 12, things change. And we meet someone named, at that point, Abram. Mm-hmm. And uh, God kind of changes that instead of a chosen line, he now is going to have a chosen nation. Mm. And that nation will be the Hebrews. And uh, it's going to be through Abram and his wife, Sarai, who were beyond childbearing years. And so uh, the whole point of that is that clearly God says, I will make you a great nation. It's God who makes the nation of the Hebrews uh, because uh, without God intervening, Abram and Sarai were unable to have children. And so it would be through uh, this nation, uh, ultimately, that God would bring the promised one, the seed of the woman, the Messiah, uh, who would ultimately come to redeem his people. So the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, really begin in Genesis 12 in the Abrahamic covenant. Okay. So, I mean, it seems a little random, this random guy named Abram, uh, to be chosen by God to kind of lead the way and, and kickstart this nation of Israel and father a chosen people. So, does the Bible give us any clue at all as to why God chose him? Well, he's he's called righteous, but actually it's it's really interesting because the Bible itself doesn't really give any reason for why God chose Abram. But uh, the ancient rabbis uh, in the Mishnah and in the Talmud both have a number of different stories uh, that they bring up regarding Abram as a, as a young man. And uh, I was in Hebrew school in Brooklyn for five years. And one of my favorite stories was the story of Abram as a young boy uh, in his father's idol shop. And in that idol shop, uh, his father put him in charge one day as he went into town. Uh, they lived in Ur of the Chaldeans, which is associated with uh, Babylon mm-hmm. and modern day Iraq. And uh, the story goes that uh, Abram, after his father left, destroyed all the idols uh, with a hammer, wow. except for one. And that one, he put the hammer in the, in the idol's hand so that when his father, Terach, comes back and sees all of his inventory destroyed, he says, how did this happen? Who did this? And Abram, as a young man, 
points to the lone idol that wasn't destroyed that had the hammer in his hand. And he said, I think he did it. <laughs> and, and his father said, don't be ridiculous. It's just a piece of wood. And young Abram said, then how come you worship it? Mm. Because he was so distraught that his father was an idol worshiper. Wow. And that's one of the stories. So when I became a believer, I went to my pastor and told him I couldn't find the story in the Bible. And my pastor, <laughs> who was a Jewish believer, kind of chuckled and said, it's not in the Bible. It's, uh, it's, it's in the Mishnah. Yeah. And it's a story that the rabbis felt needed to be explained why God chose Abram. Mm. So the long answer to your question is, no, there's nothing really in the Bible to indicate, but the rabbis believe there's a number of stories. And we don't know whether they're true stories. They're just not biblical stories. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because as humans, I feel sometimes we need a reason for things. Right. But I think, you know, the, the more we mature in in, uh, in learning about God and um, kind of just accepting his mystery, like he doesn't need a, he doesn't need a reason to choose no, who he not. wants to choose. Yeah. And that goes for the Jewish people as well. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, the whole point uh, in Deuteronomy, it says, I chose you not because you're the were the greatest of nations, you were the smallest. But I chose you uh, because I chose you, because I love you. And uh, God does that. I mean, God's grace is unexplainable. Yeah. You know, we can all look at our own salvation and wonder, why on earth did God choose me? There was nothing special about me, and yet he chose me, and I have this wonderful salvation that he's given me. So, you know, I, I think God's choosing uh, Abram and choosing the Jewish people is just one of the mysteries of his graciousness uh, yeah. that we just have to accept by faith. So we, we first read about God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, one through three, like you mentioned, and verse three specifically mentions that God will bless whoever blesses Abraham and curse whoever curses him. Now, this has kind of been applied a lot to the Jewish people and Abraham's descendants today. Why is that? Well, I think historically, even though uh, the Jews historically were persecuted terribly, I think historically we could look and, and see how that has applied to, to Abram's descendants. And ultimately, we could point to different aspects of history. I, I think the one for me uh, most recently is uh, World War II. And in World War II, uh, prior to World War II, we had something called the Balfour Declaration that was right after World War I. Right. And the Balfour Declaration uh, basically wrote that there was going to be a nation, a Jewish nation in ancient Israel, and that that Jewish nation uh, would ultimately uh, exist. That was World War I. The League of Nations adopted it. Uh, but then uh, Hitler pops up in 1932, and the British in Europe were concerned that, that Hitler would, would look to uh, dominate the world. And uh, they recruited a lot of the Arab nations to ally with them against Hitler. And one of the ways that uh, they were able to recruit them was by issuing what was called the White Paper. And the White Paper renounced the Balfour Declaration, made it virtually impossible for Jews to emigrate to Israel, and ultimately. Uh, in essence, enabled Hitler to do what he did in mm -hmm. Europe by, by killing six million Jews. Historically, you can look at when the white paper was issued and see the decline of the British Empire from that point on. Wow. And 
I look at that as as a means of saying this is Genesis twelve three uh, in our own in modern times, where here's a nation, one of the most powerful nations in the world that had all of these uh, different countries as part of their empire. And once that white paper was issued, uh, the decline of the British Empire was was very clear to follow and see. Do you feel reassured of God's promises? God's enduring covenant with Abraham is certainly a testimony of God's faithfulness in our very unpredictable world. Remain encouraged by getting your free digital copy of our 64-page, easy-to-read booklet, God's Plans and Purposes for the Jewish People. Get yours today at chosenpeople.com forward slash God's plan. Now back to Abe and Dr. Rich Freeman. So we just covered uh, Abraham and, and the beginning of the Jewish people. Today, we, we know the Jewish people as the chosen people. It's the name of our ministry, <laughs> chosen people ministries. You know, and, and God promised to make Abraham into a great nation. And we understand today that Jewish people are the chosen people who make up this nation. So the word chosen is triggering for some people who think it means that God plays favorites. But we know that God does not show partiality according to Acts 10, 34. So what does it mean when we say that God has a chosen people? Well, I would say that God chose this nation to bring the Messiah into the world. And so the chosenness of the Jewish people is to bless the world uh, through the Messiah. And so choosing Israel, uh, the Jewish people, as his chosen people points to the fact that it would be through them that the promises uh, that God made uh, regarding uh, this Redeemer, the, the one who would defeat this, the seed of the woman who would defeat the seed of Satan, would come through. Now, it's true that uh, many different denominations uh, kind of recoil at the idea of chosenness, because after all, uh, as Gentiles become believers, uh, we're, we're all part of this chosen race of uh, the, what we call the church. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, the, the chosen people are there to bring the Messiah into the world, to bring the blessings of God into the world. And on the other side of the coin, one of my favorite uh, parts of the movie Fiddler on the Roof is right after Tevye has his uh, daughter's wedding uh, totally destroyed by the Cossacks in, in Russia. Mm -hmm. He looks up to heaven and says, couldn't you have chosen somebody else? Mm. Because... Historically, because of who the Jews are, and and the and I believe part of it is, is satanic in nature, they have been the subject of persecution historically because Satan hates everything that God loves. And if God loves this chosen people, then Satan particularly hates them and uh, and points others to persecute them. So I think the whole idea of chosenness has two sides to that coin. Uh, you know, God certainly doesn't show favoritism. Mm -hmm. The fact that the chosen people are the Jewish people doesn't make the Jewish people any better than the rest of the nations and all of the Gentiles. But we can't deny the fact that it was through the Jewish people uh, that God brought the Messiah into the world. And 
that's their chosenness to bless the world with this one who would be the redeemer. Because of that, uh, as I said, there's this sense of uh, what was I chosen for? Right. Destruction? You know, why was I chosen? Uh, so chosenness sometimes isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And uh, mm. Jewish people sometimes recoil at that point. Yeah, so here's another topic of debate, uh, God's promise of land to Abraham's descendants. And, and this is particularly debated among biblical scholars and politicians and uh, people will often point to Israel's disobedience in Scripture as a sign that they no longer have a right to the land. So how do we know that God's covenant is still in effect? Well, if you, if you look at the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 15, as God uh, affirms the covenant and confirms it, he does so uh, unilaterally. And what I mean by that. In ancient times, one of the ways that a covenant would be ratified is that the parties to the covenant would lay out pieces of dead animals, mm-hmm. and they would prepare a path. And the two parties would walk through the path, in essence, making a vow that if either one of us breaks this covenant, then what happened to these animals should happen to us. In other words, if I break this covenant, I should die just like these animals. But when the actual covenant is ratified, God puts Abraham asleep. In Genesis 15, he's asleep, and it's God in the form of a, of a torch and a smoking oven. He passes through the, the parts of the animal. He ratifies the mm-hmm. covenant. And so the Abrahamic covenant is unilateral. Mm-hmm. It's only God that ratifies it so that there's nothing on the part of Abraham's descendants that has to be done. It's not like the Mosaic covenant, which is conditional. The Abrahamic covenant has no conditions with it. It's a unilateral, unconditional covenant, not dependent upon Israel's obedience. And in Genesis 15, God lays out the land, which is significantly larger than the land of Israel today. And that, I don't believe, will be part of uh, their land Mm -hmm. until the Messiah returns. Wow. So um, I I do have a question about that, about the splitting of the animal and walking through. And, you know, if this covenant is broken, may what happened here happen to me. Jesus died. Right. So what, what does that mean for that covenant? That, that, that's something that's always confused me. Yeah, I understand. I, I, I think, uh, Jesus' death had nothing to do with the Abrahamic covenant. Okay. He came to uh, to redeem mankind through his shed blood. So uh, to make the comparison, and I've heard that, yeah. to make the comparison that, well, Jesus did die, so it means that, you know, the covenant's broken. Yeah. I don't believe that's the case. And I he rose again, so... And he rose, so... Did he truly? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> and then again, you know, he overcame death. So, right. you know, he overcame death and that really shows that the covenant is irrevocable. He can't yeah. die. <laughs> right. And so he, he, you know, he conquers death. But, you know, I've heard the argument that Jesus died, so therefore yeah. the covenant uh, is, is done. But uh, it, it doesn't really fit together. Sure. It's two different things, really. Okay, fair enough. So God told Abraham that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. We see in other parts of Scripture, though, that Israel was called to be a light to the nations 
and many would say that they actually failed in this mission. But is it possible that it might be fulfilled in the future? Well, I think that's absolutely true. As Israel was called to be a light to the nations, uh, in effect, what actually happened was the opposite. So anytime Israel was involved with other nations, it was the other nations uh, that drew Israel into idol worship rather than Israel uh, leading the nations to worship the one true God. And so you can look at what happened in Israel's past, uh, especially in the Old Testament, and say, well, Israel didn't really fulfill what they did. But in the future, especially in the book of Revelation, it talks about uh, during the, the tribulation period that God's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish believers to evangelize the world, to, in, in essence, be the uh, evangelist prior to a great revival. In fact, the greatest revival that will be in the history of mankind during the seven-year tribulation period where more people will come to faith in Jesus than in any time in, in any part of uh, history. Right. And so that's all going to be in the future. The book of Revelation, uh, in I think it's Revelation chapter 7, mm -hmm. uh, mentions these 144,000. They're not Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> They're 144,000 Jewish evangelists who are going to evangelize the world, both Jews and Gentiles, and, and really bring about the greatest revival in the history of all mankind. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So in light of all of this, we know that the Messiah brings about the ultimate fulfillment of all covenants. How does Yeshua fit into the covenant God made with Abraham? Clearly, God's referring to Yeshua when he says, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now, some have tried to explain the, the impact that the small Jewish community has had in the world. Uh, we're only about 15 or so million people, and the impact of, of the Jews to the rest of the world has, has been so disproportionate. Some point to that uh, as an example uh, Nobel Prize winners. I think something like 20% of all Nobel Prize winners are Jewish, and yet the population of, of Jews to the rest of the world are less than 1%. And so things like that. But clearly what God had in mind was talking about through this nation that he would supernaturally create out of a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman who were incapable of having a birth on their own without God's intervention, that this nation would be created to bring about the coming of the Messiah, who ultimately uh, would be the one who would redeem mankind and bring us back to where we were originally created to be, to have a perfect relationship with God. And so I look forward to that. I look forward to uh, the completion of what God has laid out uh, to do. And uh, there is so much uh, in the scriptures regarding uh, the future of Israel. And it really is a glorious future. It is. And speaking of the future, we know that God knows all things, right? He, he knew all along that Israel as a nation would ultimately reject the Messiah. So what is the hope that we can have for the fulfillment of God's promises to the Jewish people? Well, you know, we can look 
to the fact that God knew that that Israel would ultimately reject the Messiah as a nation. Mm-hmm. Not not all Jews, but right. uh, we have a remnant to this day. Uh, that's part of our ministry to find that remnant around the world. But ultimately, God is going to fulfill His covenant. Uh, Paul writes at the end of Romans chapter 11, and thus all Israel will be saved. Does that mean that every Jewish person who ever lived is going to be in heaven? No, it doesn't. I wish it did. But it does mean that there's going to be a point in time when Yeshua, Jesus, returns, that they will look upon him whom they have pierced. Mm. And all Israel who are alive at the time that Jesus returns will recognize that he truly is the promised one, Mm -hmm. the Messiah. And all of those alive at the time will believe in him and accept him as their Lord and Savior and be saved. That's the, ultimately the fulfillment when Jesus returns to earth to establish his kingdom, his millennial kingdom on earth. All Israel will be saved. So how, does, how will the fulfillment of these promises affect the Gentile nations? Well, in Genesis, uh, I'm sorry, in Zechariah 12, it talks about they will look upon me whom they have pierced, They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And then in Zechariah 14, at the end, it says that all who are left of all the nations who came against Israel, because there'll be that one final battle that we call Armageddon, the believers of those different nations, the Gentiles, says they will come from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the feast of Sukkot, Mm. the feast of tabernacles. And so... Very often we're asked the question, why do we wonder, why do we bother with all of these Jewish holidays? Well, they're not Jewish holidays. They're they're the feasts of the Lord in Leviticus 23. And the last one, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, is the one that we're going to celebrate every year with the Messiah as he reigns on earth as King of Kings. And it'll be the Gentile nations who will come to celebrate that feast with the nation of Israel together as brothers and sisters in the Messiah. Wow. That's awesome. So I think it would be good for us to practice (laughs) since we're going to do it for eternity. Agreed. You know, as we wrap up, one one of the things I keep hearing, particularly from pastors during this time, is why do we continue to talk about Israel and the Jewish people during a time like COVID-19? It seems that many people want encouragement in this dark time, but not necessarily to hear about Israel and bringing the gospel to the Jewish people. So why, even during a pandemic, is it important for us to continue to share the gospel with the Jewish people and to consider the promises that God has for Israel and its people? I'm, I'm a firm believer that Romans 11 makes a clear distinction that the coming of Messiah is tied into Jewish evangelism. And uh, this is Romans 11 and verse uh, 15. Paul writes this, he says, for if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world. In other words, when Israel rejected Jesus as a nation, the first time he came, the gospel went to the nations, to the Gentiles. What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? And what I believe this is speaking about is the next prophetic event, which I believe to be the rapture of the church, where Paul writes uh, that the dead in Christ will rise when Jesus returns uh, for for his people. And that's tied in 
to Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus. Mm. Now, as a ministry, we know that we've seen a, a marked uptick in Jewish people coming to faith, more so probably than since the first century. And uh, it's an encouragement to all of us that as more Jewish people are turning to Jesus, that's a sign of the end times. And in the midst of something like the pandemic, we're, we're wondering, what is God doing? Where are we as far as, uh, as, far as God uh, working in the world? To stop bringing the gospel to Jewish people would be foolhardy. Mm. Uh, and it would be unbiblical because wow. God expects us to continue to bring the gospel to Jewish people, to continue making Jewish evangelism uh, an emphasis because ultimately there really is a connection between Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus and Jesus returning. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those people that believes that Jesus could be coming soon uh, as we're cooped up in our apartments and houses. Uh, it's one of those things where this would be a good time for the Messiah to come. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Rich, we are going to be praying for you and the situation in Florida. We, we do truly hope that it, it does improve soon. Um, many people are losing work. Many people are losing family. And it's just a really difficult time. And thank God for Jesus. <laughs> Amen to that. Thank God for Jesus and the hope that we have in him um, that, that can carry us through. But my prayer is that as believers, we will continue to be a light uh, to those who are experiencing such darkness right now, and particularly the Jewish people. You know, there's a lot of Jewish people in Florida, and uh, we'll be praying that opportunities open up and that uh, lives will be changed in, in this really difficult time. Well, I appreciate that, Aben. Just uh, as we pray, think in terms of uh, we're Florida has a very older Jewish population. The, the majority of the Jewish people down here are over the age of, of 60. Mm. And so uh, that that puts us, and I'm in that category, that puts us uh, uh, at, at the high risk category. So right. people are really fearful. Yep. Uh, and that's all part of it. And in that fear, I, I can't imagine going through this without Jesus. <laughs> and yet, you know, the vast majority of Jewish people down here and around the world are not believers in Jesus and are trying to deal with this coronavirus pandemic without the Lord. Uh, I, I can't imagine trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks. Hey. God will not break his promise to Abraham, and there is still much more to come as we await Yeshua's return. God's faithfulness to Israel should encourage us as believers that he is steadfast, and he will keep his promises to us well. If you are a Gentile believer, please know that you have a unique role in this story. Paul wrote in Romans 11.11 that salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. 
If you feel a burden to share the Jewish Messiah with Jewish people, or if you want to learn more about God's covenant with Abraham, we have a special surprise for you. You can download our new booklet, God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People, for free at chosenpeople.com forward slash God's Plan. This has been a challenging time for all of us, and we know it feels as if hope is in short supply. Remember that we have hope because Yeshua will return and make things right. In the meantime, let's continue spreading this message of hope to those around us. Next week, we will be sharing some amazing stories of how God used ordinary people like you and me to introduce their friends to the Messiah. hope you enjoyed listening. Today's episode was made thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Nicole Vaca, Grace Sweet, Dr. Rich Freeman, Neil Saraski, Charlotte Machado, Deidre Blumenthal, and Kyron Bautista. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. See you next time.